Psalm 86, 8 to 10, it says, Among the gods there is no one like you. Amen. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. You alone are God. Jesus, we praise you this morning. Nothing compares to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.
Malachi 3 verse 6 says, I am the Lord God and I do not change. He says, I am gracious always. I am loving always. I am always on your side. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is the God to whom we serve, the God that we've gathered here this morning to worship, and the God to whom we're going to pray this morning in faith to move on your behalf. We've received many prayer requests this week and even as I read them, many people in our church contending for their health. Many people diagnosed with cancer or loved ones facing cancer and we are going to pray and believe for God to move and touch their bodies and to heal them in Jesus' name. And maybe you came into the room this morning carrying a burden, maybe it's emotional or physical or financial, whatever it is, I know you've come to the right place because God is here and he sent Jesus to the cross that we may be healed and set free and restored in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to read to you some of the prayer requests that we've received this week. Someone's saying, I want like prayer for my friend who's got a kidney tumor that may be cancerous. Another young person saying, would you pray for my husband as he goes into his next round of chemo for brain cancer? Another person saying, my mom is in hospital with blood clots in her legs. The doctors have diagnosed her with cancer. Would you pray for peace and trust as she makes her way from this earth into eternity? Another person asking for wisdom and guidance in their relationship. And my guess is that there's something in your world that you would say, you know what, God, I need you to move. I need you to act on my behalf. I can't do it in my own strength. And before we get to praying this morning, I want to read to you an amazing praise report that I got just before the service began this morning. And... My eyes just welled up with tears. She says, in August, I went to the doctor. I was sent for many tests. They discovered a lump in my breast and sent me to a surgeon on Thursday. I walked into the hospital and I was scared. The surgeon did more tests. He showed me my previous test. She then said, after my examination of you today, you won't be needing surgery after all. You're yeah, you can go ahead and just praise Jesus. I'm not even done. She says the lump was just over four centimeters and now is under a centimeter. She couldn't explain why it shrunk in one week. And I said, the power of prayer. She smiled and sent me on my way and I don't have to get checked for six more months. Come on, church. Let's praise him. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are constant, God, that you are ever with us. You are never changing. You are faithful. You are loving. You are gracious. And I thank you that when you sent Jesus to the cross, 
that he had the final word. I pray healing over every person battling cancer, every person that's struggling with depression, every person looking for direction in their lives. Would you touch them? Would you meet with them? Would you deal graciously on their behalf? Jesus, we thank you that you are God, that you are foundation, that in you we put our trust in you and you alone. Would you lift our eyes heavenward? Give us heaven's gaze and heaven's perspective. We magnify you. Come on, church. We praise you, God. We love you. began I just felt like God was here and he wants to move and he wants to speak and he's already speaking come on how good is it to worship together we're so glad that you're with us this morning I want to welcome you to resonate church my name is Rachel if you're new or visiting with us this morning I want to extend an extra special welcome to you we hope you settle right on in and feel right at home. We're going to take the next four minutes to say a quick hello to those around us. So you can go ahead, stay on your feet, turn around, shake some hands, and we'll see you back here in four minutes. Sun now bursting through the clouds, black and white. 
church. You can wrap up those conversations, make your way back to your seat. We have got a couple of exciting things happening today. I want to let you know about our next steps. If you are new or not yet connected, Next Steps is for you. We make it available every single week. It's a chance to get to know a little bit about the heart and vision of our church and to get connected with other people. And really, it's about discovering the gift that's on your life to use it to make a difference in this world. So today is step number two, which is actually secretly my favorite one. You get a chance to do... Uh, a, person, a series of personality and gifts assessment to discover what is the gift that's on your life and how can we help facilitate you using that gift to make a difference in this world. So come join us. We have got free lunch, free childcare. It's an hour right after the service and it's happening right across from our kids' check-in area. We would love to see you there today. And today is actually a very exciting day because we are officially launching our small groups in Resonate Church. Come on, is anybody else excited? Well, if you're not now, you will be by the end of this service. Maybe you're asking, well, what is a small group? And it's simply a gathering a small gathering of people that meet together with similar interests or in a similar stage of life to do life together, to have fun, life-giving conversation, and prayer. And I want to read you um, from Acts 2, verse 46, where Paul is talking about what the fellowship of believers looks like. And he says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And that's exactly what our Resonate groups are about, doing life together. Not every day, <laughs> but often, uh, quite often our groups meet bi-weekly, but it's all about doing life together. And, and I want to choose to surround myself by people that are going to walk with me through the good and the bad. And even more than that, I want to choose to be a person that is close to those that are broken and that knows how to party when people are celebrating. Come on, how good is it to have friends that know how to show up when things are crumbling in our world, but also know how to throw their hands up and party and celebrate when things are going awesome. I think that deserves a bit more of a clap than that. That's, that's what we all want. Our heart as Resonate Church is that we would live with generous hearts emotionally and spiritually. And that's what our Resonate groups are all about. Check out this video behind me. Hey, Resonate Church. I'm Dave, and this is my wife, Joby. We're here to share a story regarding a recent trial uh, in our lives that put us in a period of stress and anxiety. Last April, I was rushed to the hospital um, because I was having symptoms of a heart attack. I was having pain in the chest, I had palpitations. The first doctor who checked her told us that uh, she's having a heart attack. 
And then the next morning, another doctor told us that she's having a heart attack. At first, I did not believe. Sometimes we have this feeling. They're telling you something, but you do not believe it. I'm having that kind of feeling. One Sunday morning after the service, we met with Jinhee. And she discussed with us and talked with us about the resonate group that she's hosting. So we were glad to know that her place is actually five minutes um, away from our house. We found ourselves uh, uh, quickly at ease with the rest of the members. So we uh, were able to be able to get comfortable with the, uh, uh, the rest of the, the members. We want to thank the Lord for leading us to the Resonate Group. We prayed to the Lord to connect us with the right Resonate Group to join in. This is actually a preparation for something big in our lives. Like We didn't know that I will have a medical condition. By joining this Resonate Group, it helped us to Face Go through these trials, like and face the challenge. Yes, because they we instantly have new friends. They prayed for us. They made meals for us when I was in the hospital. Vanessa made the meal for my kids. It was Vanessa. It was so good. They finished it right away. <laughs> so yeah. So thank you, thank you. You are such a blessing to us. He positioned everything in plan. It's like. We, can, we cannot question why this thing happened to me, but what we can say is we trusted the Lord and He gave everything we need during this time. As, as we reflect over the events in the past few months, we found that God really works uh, through trials. Uh, we thank our resident group, we thank our church for all those people who prayed for us. And we really wanted to bring all the glory back to God. Thank you. Come on, church, let's give it up for Dave and Joby. You two are brave. Thank you for sharing your story. Well, today, right after the service, our hosts are going to be in the lobby, and we would love to meet you and get you connected to the people that may be the best fit for you. Maybe you're wondering, oh, I don't know if they're going to have something for me. We have got, I believe, 19 different group options. Come on. We have got groups for men, for women, for young adults, for mixed adults, for young families. We got a creative arts group. We have got men who do stuff or dudes who do stuff. We have got something that's just the right fit for you, and we love uh, to find and get you connected where it might be it might be the best fit for you. Maybe you're going, mm, I'm not really a groups person. No thanks, you've already checked out. Well, can I just invite you? This is a, this is a big risk, but you definitely won't regret it. I'm just gonna encourage you right now, just decide to do it. Just throw your feet fully all in, sign yourself up and see what God will do when you position yourself in community. Amen, is anybody with me this morning? Amen. We are in week 15, I believe, on our study of the book of Galatians. This has been a powerful series, and Shane is going to join me on the stage now. And I just want to encourage us to prepare our hearts to receive the word this morning as he shares.
so good to have you with us this morning. Great to see you all, see some faces I don't know, so lots of faces I do know, so welcome. If I have not had a chance to meet you before, my name is Shane, and my wife, uh, Rachel, who just hosted the service this morning, we have the, the honor and privilege of serving you as lead pastors here at Resonate Church. Come on, give yourselves just a little round of applause for being in church in the house of God this morning. Come on. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to go to God's Word. Before we do, Rachel's just hosted so well, and I just want to kind of echo some of this. Whoa, Kevin Hackett's back in the room. Welcome back, Kev. Sorry, sorry, just, Kev was gone all summer. I love the boy. He's back. Um, so I'm excited for what God, this is a launch into our fall season. God's got great things in store for you. Come on, for some of you, you're, you're, you know, I said this last week, for some of you, you're, you're about to embark on the most significant season of life change you've ever walked through. You don't even know that you're about to step into that, and it's so exciting. And uh, as well, there's going to be people that come to, come to faith in this room. In fact, you know, we say this all the time. Every week, people are coming to faith here in church. And so there's friends in your life that have yet to come to faith, that this is their season. And so I want to echo what Rach said about groups. I would be one of those that I would say, like, I am not a groups guy. Ten years ago, um, when Rach, we had never been to a small group together, and Rach really begged me to go to one, and I did not want to go. I went kicking and screaming, and eventually, we kept going uh, to groups. Eventually, I began to see the value in it, but it wasn't really a desire. It was just like, I'll go, because I, I do see the value. Um, we started our Resonate group for this uh, fall, just this last week. We kicked off a little early, and I phoned Rachel Friday afternoon, and I was like, man, I'm so pumped to be having people over tonight. And uh, we just kind of had a laugh at that journey in, in, in my own heart. And so maybe you're like, I'm not a groups person, and I would just echo that. That's totally me. Uh, and I know that space and place. And so I, really what we desire for you, um, groups, is just, groups isn't how it, the only way to do community, but it is the best way for us to be able to help lead you into relationships with one another. And so you don't need to leave here. Like if you don't sign up for groups, you're like, oh. They hate me. No, that's not the case. No, like we love you, of course. And what we want to do is we just want everyone in this house to find a place where you are surrounded by people, where you go deeper in God. Come on, somebody. Help me out this morning. So that's the, the groups. And I want to say uh, also you're going to hear a lot more about this. Our all-in Sunday, Sunday, October 15th. You're going to keep hearing about this. But what I want to say this morning is just that every single Sunday God moves in this place. Every single Sunday lives are transformed. Hearts are changed. God's word is spoken, you know, the Holy Spirit's in the place, and there are also significant weeks that we plan for where we invite people that are close to us but far from God. October 15th is that day this fall that we're all going to be thinking about who can we be inviting to church, and even as I say that, some of you, God's putting someone on your heart right now already, and um, quick story, yesterday, I have a neighbor that I've invited, uh, I've invited them to church a, a bunch of times. And they've never come to church. And so I've actually got to the point where I'm like, I'm, I think I'm going to stop inviting them. I didn't really like, you know, kind of write that down. But it's just kind of in my heart, you know. Um, and yesterday I, I saw them. At, I'd gone to a farm with Avia and Valencia just to give Rach some, some time uh, to herself. And, and this neighbor was at the farm. And I see her during the cow milking demonstration. And she says to me, she's like, I was just talking about you. To someone and I'm like no way and she's like yeah they're like they they're thinking about going to find a church and I was like well we I know someone that goes to church and you should go um, 
you should go to their church. And so then she introduced me to this friend, and, uh, you know, they're going to end up coming. It's so cool because this friend had also been told by another person about our church. So now they're, they'd actually heard about us from two different places already. So amazing. Um, and then the neighbor that I was planning to stop inviting said to me, she said, you know what, I'd actually think I'd like to come to your church. And she said, I just have to do remedial courses first. Just hit me. It just hit me. She's like, she actually wants to come, and she feels like the door is just too high for where she's at today. And so as you think about who you could be inviting, you know, you're thinking, man, they might just say no, and they very well may. And it doesn't mean that they don't want something more to their life. It doesn't mean that they don't wake up every day thinking, hey, is there more than just getting in my car and turning on the heat because it's getting that time and driving to work, you know, and just doing it on repeat, right? Is there more to this life? And so I want to encourage you, uh, October 15th, be thinking about it, be praying about it. We'll say lots more about it. We are, as Rachel said, in week 15 of a message series on the book of Galatians. And so let's go there together, this great letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of churches in the region of Asia Minor known as Galatia in the first century. And uh, Paul covers a lot of different topics in this letter, but the main one is freedom. Come on, God's called you to freedom. God's called you to live free, to be free, to know him in a place of freedom. Um, this morning we're going to be looking at a portion of the text where Paul is talking about relationships. And let's pick up reading in verse 25 of chapter 5, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives uh, himself. But when, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. Can we just pray together one more time? God, your word is so uh, good, and I pray that these seven verses, as we study them together today, uh, will point us to Jesus, help us to see you, God, who you are, what you're like, and what you've called us to live in. And uh, I pray, God, that, um, that we wouldn't just be in another service. We wouldn't just hear a message. We'd leave this place changed by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I want to start again this morning with, with a, a personal story. So often around here has to do with our, our girls, especially our three-year-old. She's just a lifetime of stories right now. So a couple weeks ago, we were downtown. It was a Monday. It's our family day when... Rachel and I, neither of us work on Mondays, and so we had the girls were downtown. And we'd been downtown all day. We'd eaten dinner, like right, right in the city. We're at, at uh, like Homer and Robson area. And uh, right, right around 7 o'clock, Avia caught a second wind. She just got like a burst of energy. Right as we're like putting their pajamas on, hoping they're going to fall asleep on the way home. And uh, we put on Avia's pajamas. Again, she's three years old, and uh, once we got the pajamas on her, we're ready to get her in her seat. She said, Daddy, can you open up the sunroof? And I was like, yeah, of course, because I know what she wants to do, and I always think this is hilarious. Um, when we open the sunroof, she will put one, plant one foot on the armrest of my seat, one foot on the armrest of Rachel's seat, and then she's just tall enough that her whole head sticks out the top of the car. And so she said, Daddy, can you open the sunroof? And so I did. She's got the head sticking out the top of the of the car. Now, in order to kind of set up the, the rest of the story, I need to let you know that that week she had spent some time with her cousin. 
and uh, her aunt, who, um, who I, you know, I won't, I won't name because she goes to the church. <coughs> um, <laughs> I just about came up there. I won't, I won't name her. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's going to be nameless, I think. Um, I might tell you the name. Depends. Um, <laughs> so this auntie um, she had put on some Beyonce in the car, and she put on single ladies. And really all it takes for a three-year-old to learn a hook is one time. That's all it takes. I actually don't believe this auntie that it was one time. That's fine. No, it was one time. <laughs> and so she put, she played single ladies. So there we are. Abby's got her head sticking out the top of the car. We're in an area with a lot of foot traffic. And with the head out the car, and I don't know where she gets this level of confidence from. Rachel and I were both quiet, kind of shy kids. She's got the head out the car. Not a word of a lie. You can ask Rachel to confirm all of this. She starts shouting, all my single ladies. <laughs> all my single ladies. I'm not, I don't even know that she's ever heard this song. And I just hear her shouting, all my single ladies. And of course, Rachel and I start laughing. We don't even know how she heard this. We're like, where did you hear this song? And she's like, Auntie Rhonda. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, we're laughing, and she sees this, and it, it, it further emboldens her to take, you know, kind of the next step with, with her plan. I don't know what she's thinking, but um, she sees a young girl walking down the street, kind of past the car. And again, there's a lot of foot traffic there, but there's this one young girl, uh, single girl, walking by herself. I don't know if she's single, but she was by herself. She's walking by herself. And uh, Abby goes, Daddy, there's a single lady. <laughs> Not mommy, there's a single lady. You know, Rachel's right there. Dad, like, I just look like the biggest creep. <laughs> Daddy, there's a single lady. <laughs> Some of you are like, what does that have to do with Paul? Galatians, like church, anything, God. I was thinking about that story this week as I was preparing for this message. And, and the message this morning is not on romantic relationships. The Bible, you know, does clearly let us know that God created romantic relationships for for your good, but it certainly does not hold out romance as the answer to satisfaction and happiness in your life. But what the Bible does do from cover to cover is reveal that you were created to be in community. Uh, and so before we get to, uh, to that and what Paul has to say, just for the single ladies in the room, you know, just first of all, no, Avia sees you and you're her people. <laughs> and uh, she's got your back, trying to hook you up. And uh, uh, also, just, you know, single ladies, single men, a relationship that's not going to be the key to, to satisfaction in your life, but you were, every one of us was created for community, was created for a relationship. The Bible does do this from cover to cover, lets us know this. In fact, right at the very beginning of the Bible, um, uh, Genesis chapter 1, God's creating. and it's so, it's the, the, the creation account is just so beautiful that um, the creation account says God made uh, the earth and the seas, and he saw that it was good. And then... Uh, God made plants and vegetation, and he saw that that was good. And then God made the heavens and the stars and animals and fish, and he saw that it was good, good. It's like over and over again. It's like, man, this is good. What I'm creating is good. And then God, the Bible says God creates us in his image. And uh, Genesis 1.31, that, that God saw everything that he had created and saw that it was very good. It's not until we get to Genesis chapter 2 that we see something that the Bible says. The very first thing the Bible says is not good. And it's before sin comes into the world. It's before, before the fall of man. And yet the Bible tells us that something's not good. And it's, it's Genesis 2, 
verse 18, and it says, It is not good that man should be alone. Very first thing the Bible says is not good is for you and I to be alone, because you and I were created to be in uh, community. See, one of the unique things about Christianity is that, uh, is that God is not unipersonal. Uh, God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity as we refer to it in, in church. And it's one of the hardest things to explain to someone that like, doesn't have a church background, doesn't know much about the Bible, like how is God one and yet three, you know, he's He's, you know, the three are co-eternal, always existed, all, uh, you know, co-equal, that they're all God. It's like, how do you explain that? It's one of the, the uh, greatest challenges to explaining someone about Christianity. And yet, one, the, one of the most beautiful things about this is it means that God, by nature, has always lived in community. So community is not just something that God does. It's part of who he is. See, if God was unipersonal, if, if God had been alone from all eternity and then at a point in time decided to create us, really what that would mean is that you can be on your own and be perfectly fine and that relationships are like a supplemental add-on. They're good. It's an added benefit. You can get there, but you don't have to get there. God was on his own and he did real great. And, and, but what we see with Christianity is that, no, God has always been in community. And so community is not something that, that, that God just does and, and gave as an add-on. It's part of who he is. And then if you've been created in the image of God, that you were wired for community. In fact, to have healthy life, you need to have healthy relationships. And you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to believe that. It is modern, secular, scientific research points to the way that you were wired. In the way that you were created, there's one uh, article that was referenced in the New York Times talked about how um, older people, if they live in isolation, they're twice as likely to die prematurely. Another study um, compared the negative health consequences of feeling disconnected relationally with kind of other things that would be bad for your health. And they found that feeling disconnected relationally is equivalent, does the equivalent damage to your body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, being obese, or being a lifetime alcoholic. Nevertheless, in my lifetime, the, the stats show that the number of people who feel alone has doubled in my lifetime, from 20% to 40%. You see, we have a cultural epidemic that we don't press into relationships. We continue to believe the falsehood that what you need in your life is more ambition. What you need in your life is more drive. What you need is more success. What you need in life is more money. We, we, this, of course, there's no evidence to back that up, yet we push aside relationships. We actually think that they're just like this supplemental benefit. And when life gets hard and when life gets tough, it's like, you know what, I'm too busy for that right now. I've, I've lived this way so much. I don't, in my life, like... Um, in the past, when things have gotten busy, relationships were the first thing to go. It's like, I can, I can do without that. It's like, I kinda I'm kind of going to let that go. I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm busy. I'm feeling overwhelmed. The very first thing I do to lighten the load is kind of just l let go of some relationship stuff. But when we realize that we were created to be in community, in fact, to be a healthy person, that you need to have uh, real relationships that, uh, that I, I know for, for, uh, for you don't even have to be a Christian to believe that that's true. And so what we find here is that uh, Paul, in Galatians, end of Galatians chapter 5, beginning of Galatians chapter 6, 
he's just been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He's been talking about what the Spirit wants to do in your life. This is the fruit. If you walk in the Spirit, this is what your life, God wants to do in your life. wants to put these things into your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. He gets to the end about talking about what the Spirit wants to do in your life. And he kind of makes this turn. It kind of seems out of nowhere. And he issues a warning. Last verse of chapter 5. Um, one of the main things that's going to pull you and I out of relationship. And he says this in verse 26. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You see, one of the main things that's going to keep us from the relationships that God has called us to have, or at least having them, I mean, you might even have people in your world, but, but having the relationships God's called you uh, to have and the way he's called you to have them is this idea of be- becoming conceited. And when you and I think of conceited, you know, we think of someone who's just like, they think too much of themselves. That's, you know, conceited to us. But that's not really what Paul is saying here. The word conceited uh, in, in Greek that modern English uh, translators of the Bible would render uh, for us now conceited is this word kinodoxa. And kino means to empty and doxa means glory. And so really what Paul is saying is one of the, the most damaging things to you having the relationships that God's called you to have is kind of that feeling like you're empty inside, but you really want to matter. Like that's one of the main things that's going to keep you from having the relationships that you want to have. You feel like, oh, man, I really want to matter, but on the inside I know that I, I kind of don't. And that's why we need the gospel. Because what the world will tell you is, yeah, you do need to matter, and you need to try harder to matter. And we all try and climb that ladder, but we never get to a place where it feels good enough. And that's keeping us from relationships. Because you know how it puts you into a relationship? It makes the relationship all about you finding a way to matter, rather than showing up in the relationship and giving something into the relationship. See, when we feel empty of glory inside, older translations like King James, it, just, it, it translated uh, that word, uh, vain glory. Is the way it looked at it. It's just empty. We feel empty inside, and so we go searching and for our relationships to kind of be the meaning and for us to get something, but that's not how that's not what the gospel says. That's not gospel community. Gospel community says when you when you think, man, I, I need to matter, I want to matter. <laughs> you know, the Bible, <laughs> I, I I hate to break it to you, but the Bible basically says that we don't. God loves us, but the point is not us mattering. In fact, for you to actually feel the fulfillment that the gospel offers and that God offers to you, you first have to come face to face with your complete and utter brokenness. The gospel is not just, hey, you you matter. You start in the gospel with humility. The starting point of the gospel is, I'm such a wretch, like we just sang. I'm such a mess that nothing short of the sinless sacrificial death of the Son of God could save me. That's the humility starting point of the gospel. But the gospel doesn't leave you there. It then elevates you and says that when you were in that place, God loved you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for you, that you could be forgiven, that you could be free. And so that that... that empty glory place where you feel like you want to matter when you encounter the gospel what it says is yeah actually you know what you need to let go of that craving to matter because where you find that place of fulfillment is in the God who made you with his endless eternal relentless pursuing love that when you were in that place of brokenness he gave everything 
everything for you. That frees you in relationships from going to that to try and fill some sort of glory vacuum in your heart. Now Paul goes on, he says, let's not become conceited, provoking and envying uh, one another. Provoking and envying one another. And this, I, I, Paul nails it here, provoking and envying. And this is, we all do these things when we feel that, we feel that broken up glory emptiness in our hearts. When we just feel like we don't matter. This is what we do. Provoking and envying. The word provoke here means to challenge. To challenge. And so it's a, it's a place of looking down on someone. Because you don't challenge someone that you don't think you can take on, right? You, you challenge those that you believe, unless you're crazy, right? Uh, uh, you, you challenge those that you think that you could take on. Um, or the friends that are with you could take on, you know, whatever the case may be. But you challenge, that's what provoking means, to challenge. And so it's, it's speaking of superiority. And so when we, have, when we have that conceit in our heart, we go to one of two places. Either, number one, superiority and looking down, or envy. Envy is looking up. It's like, I wish you weren't as great as you are, or um, that I was as good as you. Envy. And that's one of the, the, the two places our hearts go to, is to either superiority or inferiority. And uh, superiority and inferiority are the things that are going to keep us uh, from uh, the relationships that God has called us to have. See, the gospel says you don't have to live from a posture of superiority. See, imagine you're hanging out with your friends, and all of a sudden, someone new comes into the group. And they got it together. Like, they're really interesting. They're really cool. One of two things that, y- y- that we're going to do, if we're not living from a place of gospel security, we're either going to try and talk ourselves up, not be us, but to be the person that we wished that we were and want others to see us as. We're either going to talk ourselves up to get there, or we're going to go to a place of inferiority, and we're just going to withdraw, and we're going to be like, I can't compete with you, and so I'm just not even going to show up because I'm afraid of what people would see in me because it's not you. So we either go to superiority or we go to inferiority. But gospel relationships, Paul doesn't leave us there. He kind of starts with this, it's like, it's this abrupt turn out of being filled with the spirit. Ah, but let's not become conceited, provoking and envying. But then he starts chapter six with the positive. Here's what you're actually to do in relationship. And I love this. He gives two examples. The first one is not at all what you'd think about would be the first thing he'd say about how to act in relationship. But the first thing he essentially says is when you've got a brother that's stuck in sin or transgression, you, should, uh, you who are spiritual should restore them with a spirit of gentleness. The thing I want us to notice as we look at these two things to do in relationship is the posture of these things. So the posture of the first thing is gentleness. It's humility. And then he goes on from there and he says, bear one another's burdens. And so the posture of burden bearing is a posture of strength. I'm going to help you. I've got, I've got strength. And we all know that this is the kind of friend, someone who's gentle and humble but is also strong, this is the kind of friendship that we actually need. We all want to be that friend. We all need that friend. Humble strength. I think in our relationships, I want you to imagine for, for a moment um, that, you, that you had just messed up. Like, think of yourself doing something that you'd be ashamed of. You know, we've all been there. So just think, you know, what would that look like for you? I've just done something that I'd be ashamed of. What, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, it's a different story for every one of us. 
I'll give an example that, you know, I'll give a parenting example, but you could really apply this any, anywhere to any relationship. Imagine for a moment that, that you uh, just yelled at your kids. You lost it with your kids. You know, maybe they've been pushing your buttons all day, and maybe it was like a disdainful thing, like they had been rude to you. Maybe they like cursed you out. Who knows the story, right? Like imagine kind of that worst place moment, and then you lose it on your kids, and you freak out, and you feel ashamed. Most of us don't have friends in our world that we would go to with that story. Maybe it's not a parenting one. Maybe it's like, you know, another example. Just think, whatever it would be, you'd be like, I'd be ashamed of that. Most of us don't have friends in our world that we can go to with those stories. Why? Because we're afraid of the answers of superiority or inferiority. Superiority says, "Um, dude, you need to chill out on your kids. Like, you need to stop yelling at your kids. And how many think that answer is going to help somebody out? course not. In fact, you're now more likely to yell at your kids because you feel alone in your transgression. That's why restoration is not about, restoration is not simply going to someone and telling them that they were wrong. That superiority doesn't work for our relationships. What about inferiority? What would this look like? The inferiority response, when our friends are responding to us out of that place of inferiority, you know what they often would just say? It's just like, it's okay, man. It's all right. It's fine. It's no big deal. Kids are resilient. Like, they don't want to address the issue. Like, they're afraid that they might lose the relationship if they, you know, said anything to you that might kind of confront the actual issue that was going on. And this is what culture is, like, perpetually doing. Just that's the answer of our culture. It's okay. Do your thing. It's fine. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. It's fine. It's good. Do your thing. It's good. That's not the picture of relationships and gospel community. It's humility and it's strength. Humble strength in relationships would be a, a posture of going to that friend. And saying, you know what, man, I know that that's not the, the person that you want to be. That's, that's strength. To, to, hey, that's not who you want to be. And you know what? I know sometimes I haven't done that, but sometimes I'm not the dad that I want to be. What's humble strength look like? The strength to say, hey, what you did, you, like, you know this already, but I'll, let you, like, I'll say it. Dude, that's, that's, that's not God's best for you. That's not what God has for you or wants for you. And I think you already know that. But I also know in my life what it's like to use my words to hurt someone or accidentally have words that hurt someone. Been there, know what that's like. It's humble strength. It's the humility to go and restore somebody out of a posture of gentleness, but the strength to not just leave them stuck in sin. Humble strength. And this is what God has called us to live and called us to be in our relationships. Why? You want to see humble strength? Just look at the person of Jesus. He is the very definition of humble strength. That's why the Bible is always giving us these metaphors of who he is, that he's the lamb of God, and he's the lion of Judah. He's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, humble and gentle. That's why Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he, he what? He humbled himself. God, he was God. 
in heaven, in paradise. He chose to leave that, to humble himself. He is the picture of humility and gentleness in relationships. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But that's not where it stops. He's also strong. Like, he is the Lion of Judah. He is a reigning, victorious, ruling king, king for all time, Lord of all, the judge of all the earth. He is God. And that's why Philippians 2 goes on. It says, therefore, God gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's humble strength. It's Jesus. And so, you know, here's the application this morning. And I say this at the risk of sounding incredibly repetitive every time we get to application in the messages. Because it's basically the same every week. I don't know if you noticed, but it is. It's like we got one play and we just keep running it. Because it works. It's the, you know, we just keep running it until it doesn't work, but it keeps working. We've got, we got one play in our playbook. How do, we, how do we get here in our relationship? How do we let go of that empty glory place that keeps us provoking or envying, going to superiority or inferiority? How do we get to the place where it's about others and it's about humble strength? How do we get there? It's seeing Jesus. That's the only play we got in the playbook. It's seeing Jesus. It's having the Spirit do what the Spirit does. And, it, and it, the, the, the goal of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is to illuminate who Jesus Christ is so that when we, we would see him, because when we see him, we will want to be like him. And when the Spirit shows us Jesus, we will become more like But let me ask you, how, how are your relationships? Are they the supplemental add-on that we get around to when we can? Or do we realize that God has wired us for this community? God made us to be healthy in a place of real, authentic relationship. What are your relationships like? Are they, are they about superiority, inferiority? Is it the totem pole of success? Is it, where do I line up? Am I at the top or am I at the bottom or in the middle? I mean, I'm working my way up the pole as best as I can because I want to be pictured near the top. Is that what it's about? Are your relationships about you? Are they about others? Are you showing up into relationships out of a posture of, I've got something to give, not simply take. I've got humble strength to deposit in this out of what the Holy Spirit has done in my life through Jesus Christ. How are your relationships? Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place. That we need to see you, God. And I pray, God, for every, every one of us, Lord, we, even now as we just reflect on your word, God, that we would see Jesus. We would see the strength of Christ, his strength that rose from the grave so we know that we don't need to stay stuck, we don't need to stay the way that we are, but we can change, we can grow, we can be made new, transformed. We can move out into the world out of a transformed place by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we don't have to stay stuck. I thank you, God, for your humility that when we do get stuck, when we do fall, when we fall far away from you, God, you still approach us out of a spirit of gentleness. How great is this story? How great is this gospel? How great is this love? And now, God, for those in the room, 
who are dealing with shame and outside of relationship and don't have anyone right now to come to them and restore them out of a spirit of gentleness. Two things I pray for them. God, number one, that your spirit would connect to their heart today and embrace them with the gentleness of the Savior. And secondly, God, would you lead us into relationships that restore us and strengthen us when it's tough. And we just give you all the praise, God, for this is your will for us. God, change us as a community. May we be a community like this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can keep your heads bowed for a moment. Something we do here every week, pretty much every week, is we give you an opportunity that if you're here in the room and you're far from God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're far from God, you're like, man, I, do, I know that place of being stuck. And today, before you leave here, you want to know, you want to have relationship with God. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So before we leave this place today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a simple prayer of faith and understand that salvation is a gift of God. It's not something you work yourself up to or you take remedial classes to get to. But it is a gift of God and God made it that way so that it would always be about Him and never about us. So if you're in the room and you say, yeah, today my life is broken up, I'm far from God, but today I need a Savior, today I need salvation in Jesus Christ. In a moment I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit brave. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three. And we won't center you out. But I just want a chance to pray with you, and I'm asking you to raise your hand so that you would know this today was your moment of decision. So if that's you, you say, yeah, that's me in this place. I, today I want to, I, I know I'm far from God. Today I need this, the forgiving, saving love of Jesus Christ. And today I want, I want to be saved, forgiven, and set free. If that's you in the room, would you just raise your hand on three? One, I've been praying for you today. Two, I believe this is your moment. Three, would you just shoot your hand up, hold it up for a minute? No one looking around but me. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? You say, yeah, today is my day. Bless you. Thank you, God. Boy, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, but you wanted to, today if you're coming to Jesus, would you say this prayer with me in church? Come on, let's help. Let's help this uh, one out who's raised her hand today. Can you help her out let's, as she prays this prayer? Come on, church, let's say, dear Jesus, I give you my heart and full surrender follow you. Forgive me and make me new. Thank you for dying on the cross so I could be forgiven and free and new. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate like wild and crazy in this place? So good. We bless you, God. I want to invite you, church, every single one of us, would you pick up that Connect card that was on your seat? Maybe it's on the floor now. And if you made that decision this morning to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to just tick off the box on the back that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Our team would love to follow up with you and send you a really simple email with some really simple next steps that you can take in your journey. We want to do this journey of faith together with you and help by giving you one next step at a time. At the bottom 
of the car, there's also an opportunity to write out your prayer requests. If there's something in your life that you would like us to join together in prayer and in faith with you for, would you fill that out? Our team commits to praying every day of the week for you. You can drop this card off at the giving and card box on your way out of the service this morning. And if you came to church this morning prepared to honor God with your giving, or maybe you'd like to join the journey of giving back to God, there's many, multiple ways that you can give here in the service. They're gonna be listed behind me. There is an envelope in your seat. And I wanna let you know, church, that your generous giving has made possible two brand new ARC Canada uh, church launches happening this weekend, today in other parts of our nation. Yeah, you can go ahead and clap for that. I want to let you know that today Slate Church has launched in Waterloo, Ontario. So if you know anyone in that area, you can direct them to Slate Church. And also Nova Church has launched in Nova Scotia this morning. So how good is that? Your giving is going to extend the kingdom in the name of Jesus all across our nation. You can go ahead and clap. Thanks, Alana and Rachel. While you're get, getting your Connect card or your giving together, I want to remind you about a couple of things. We would love to put our hands on you this morning and join you in uh, personal prayer out in our connections area in the lobby. We've got a team of hosts there that would love to pray with you. And also a reminder, our hosts are out there uh, and you'll get a chance to meet all of the small group leaders and see which is the, the best fit for you. So why don't we stand together this morning, church? I'm going to pray. And then we're going to praise Jesus. Then you're going to get to get out there and connect. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are here. And I thank you, God, that you are touching hearts. I thank you, God, that you are community, the Trinity, three in one, that you have created us on purpose to do life together that we wouldn't have to do life alone. I pray this morning your blessing to be on your people. Would you go with each one? Would you bless Nova Church and Slate Church? I thank you for what you're doing all across our nation and that you're using the faithfulness and giving of your people of this house to extend your name across our nation go with each one. We love you. We magnify you and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen.